재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 The weekend is almost here. We've got one more day until we crawl across that finish line and hopefully you've got two full days to spend some leisure time. That's why around this time every week we invite Time Out Soul magazine to come in and join us for a segment called TOS on TBS. One of the editors of the magazine, Hana Yoon, is right next to me and we're going to keep talking about foreign enclaves of culture and food. We started the conversation last week and here we go with it. Hana, welcome. Hi, Kurt. How you feeling? <laughs> so I feel bad because not only last week could I not pronounce any of the <laughs> place foods that we talked about, I still have my sore throat. You still have your sore throat. I think it's this cold that won't go away. Everyone in my office has it. I swear to God, my coworker gave it to me. Yeah, it's it's the hangsa um, attacking and the pollen. I think. Do you do you think that's what it is? And then in the morning, I feel like. <gasps> I could be okay today as long as I just don't leave my house. All right. Well, you got your hot tea uh-huh. there. We'll try and make it through this. We talked about a couple of foreign neighborhoods. Uh, now, let's. Uh, we talked about some of the lesser-known ones last week, where to find Russian food and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Let's go for some bigger targets this week. Uh, I've always wondered, we were just talking about this the other day, whether there's a Chinatown here right. in Seoul. And it turns out there is. Well, there is an unofficial Chinatown because Terimdong, which I think if you talk to most Seoulites, they'll recognize it as the Chinatown of Seoul, but it's not officially sanctioned as a Chinatown by the government because actually this last year, the government tried to do it third time around to make it into an official Chinatown. But residents of that area were a little bit afraid that that would lower the property value. Hmm. So it was actually um, protested against um, and it's not an official Chinatown. Um, But it's unofficially known to everyone, I think, around here as the official. Official designations don't particularly matter to me. I care just more about the the bunigi, you know, the mood. Can I go there and feel like I'm in a little China? I definitely think so. And, you know, I was talking about this place before I went there. And a friend of mine, he was saying, oh, it's not Chinatown unless you see ducks hanging in the windows. And I refused to say it's Chinatown Chinatown and Terimdong because there are no ducks in the windows. And I was like, I went there and I sent in some pictures of some ducks in the windows. And I was like, it's definitely a Chinatown. Mm, some nice roasted ducks, geese, mm-hmm. maybe a few chickens here and there. Uh, that tells you. There's one early indicator that you're in a Chinatown. What else can you see if you walk around there? Well, you know, I had just come back from Taiwan. And, you know, in Taiwan, have you been? I have been, Mm -hmm. yes. There's so much great street food. Yeah. Um, And it was very similar in that sense because uh, the first time I had seen it actually was in Taiwan. These uh, boiled eggs bubbling in soy sauce. Um, Have you ever had that before? Uh, That particular thing I can't really recall. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is did they have stinky tofu? Uh, no, they didn't have stinky tofu. No Not stinky that tofu. I could find. All right. um, but maybe it is somewhere in like a corner restaurant. Uh, but they have all the street foods. And actually, if you come out of Tedding Station, there are all these like restaurant promoters like handing you flyers for their restaurants. There are all the like red silk car- lanterns mm, that they have mm. in front of restaurants Fantastic. in China. Know where I'm going this week. <laughs> yeah, I think um, especially with the weather give, getting a little bit better, it's nice to go there. It really feels like you've 
um, gone to a different country. Maybe it's different if you're already a Gangnam person uh-huh. and you hang out in that well, district. Well, you're, you're hearing a whole lot more Chinese everywhere in Seoul these days, especially in certain districts. What I would like to hear, nothing against Mandarin Chinese or Putonghua, but I would love to hear Cantonese. Do you hear some Cantonese spoken in these Chinatowns? Uh, I think so, definitely, but like it's not as much as the Mandarin. Yeah. If you go to the real estate agencies there, all the signs are in Chinese mm. and Mandarin, or in Cantonese and Mandarin. Okay. Right? And you see a fair number of Chinese people around? Oh, there are 20,000 Chinese people, including Chinese-born Koreans, uh, living in Taenimdong, cool. an estimated number. Okay. Mm, many come from um, the provinces that nor- border North Korea. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's the closest to here. Um, but, you know, regardless of the status or how many people, you know, or what kind of, what part of China they come from, it really does feel like you're in a different part. And it feels like a mini vacation, I think, if you're really determined to stay the whole day there and try the different foods. All right. Just to get people's wheels turning, you said there's the eggs bubbling in soy sauce. There's the barbecued and roasted ducks hanging up in the window. What kind of other foods can people look for in this uh, unofficial Chinatown? Well, I mean, on the streets, you see a lot of abai sundae, which I didn't know what it was before I'd gone there. It looks like, it looks like a fat sausage version of sunde. Like a fatter version. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you had it before? I have not. I, uh, of course, I've had sunde, but uh, other than the size, does it differ in color or in taste? I feel like it has the ca- the casing is much thicker. Okay. Um, and apparently, this is the kind of sunde that comes from Kaesong. Huh. Um, and it's very popular in um, this neighborhood that you see it in every single stand. And of course, the popular dish in this neighborhood is uh, the lamb skewers, the Beijing lamb skewers. Ooh, that sounds mm. great. Oh, I love like, you know, sitting there for hours and you get that smell, yeah, the lamb yeah. skewer smell with you. Bet you can get a decent uh, Sunday morning dim sum in that neighborhood, too. I, you know, this was the thing, uh, this is one of the things I was going to talk about because I love Xiaolongbao. Xiaolongbao are the most wonderful thing in the world, I think. And it is very, very hard to get in Seoul. Xiaolongbao? Uh-huh. Really? Uh, oh. oh, like, I think if you ask most people that have been to Taiwan or Hong Kong and they really love, like, the um, original Xiaolongbao flavor, yeah. a lot of people will complain that it's extremely difficult to get in Xiaolongbao, these uh, dumplings with a little soup in there. You have to take a little bite out of the dumpling and kind of suck the soup out before you eat the dumpling. Right. Okay. So this was one thing that I was very confused about because I went to one of the most famous Xiaolongbao restaurants there. Yes. And there are two things on the menu, which was Xiaolongbao and then they had Tangmandu, Mm. which translates as like soup dumpling. I see. So I was like, okay, one of these have to be it, but I... I would think to order Xiaolongbao because in my mind, Xiaolongbao is a soup dumpling. Yes. But actually when I ordered the Xiaolongbao, it was like this thicker breading with like no soup inside. Really? Uh So I was, I actually asked Sonia, who's also on this program, uh, I was like, is there a kind of Xiaolongbao that doesn't have soup on the inside? And she looked it up and she's like, yeah, it is possible. But if you're thinking of the kind of Xiaolongbao I was thinking, which is with the soup inside, then you should order the tangmandu, which is the soup dumpling. See, now when I hear soup dumplings, I picture soup 
uh, you know, dumplings floating in soup. I would picture like uh, oh, almost like yeah, right, right. mandu tang, uh-huh. you know, right. uh, that kind of thing. So that's an interesting distinction. I didn't realize that. My friend and I went to Taiwan one time. We ordered so many xiaolongbao, we could not see each other because the steamers <laughs> oh. were like a great wall between us. You know, we had like four steamers full of xiaolongbao between us. I actually went to Hong Kong with a friend of mine. I think you know her, Lauren. Okay. Um, and we went to the most famous dim sum place in Hong Kong. And we ordered $40 worth of dim sum each. <laughs> uh, did you need a wheelchair to get out of the restaurant? Or? No, we were like, oh my God, let's get bubble tea after this. You know what? The other thing I've been looking for relatively unsuccessfully in Seoul is Sichuan food. I'm always surprised that Koreans don't love Sichuan food or, or have tons of Sichuan That restaurant. is so funny that you say that because I had it last night. Did you? Um, but Credible not Sichuan food? Yes. Not in Dong, but in Myeongdong, actually. Wow. I had faga, okay. um, which is a, a Sichuan-style hot pot. Oh, it was so good. I'm, my mouth is still watering that is from... That hot lava. If they do it the right way, man, that, that's almost impossible to eat. It's so uh, hot. At this particular venue, it's all Chinese people. All the, all the people who work there are Chinese, and it's the exact same chain from um, the original Sichuan location. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I had at the Faga place was the mala tang soup. Ooh. Oh. You know that? Uh, do you know that breakdown of words? Mala. Do you have you heard that before? Ah, uh, yes. I wrote it down somewhere, and I don't. Oh, spicy soup. Yeah, mala. Uh-huh. The, well, ma and la are both words for spicy. La uh-huh. is spicy the way most people think of spicy, like gochujang uh-huh. and all uh-huh. that stuff. Just heat. Ma is that sort of it, you get it from the Sichuan peppercorns. It uh-huh. kind of makes you feel like you're touching a battery to your lips. It's a, like you're vibrating, numb. You know, your yeah. mouth becomes like almost numb. I think that that taste is very addictive. It's very addictive, and Sichuan peppercorns are awesome. You should make Sichuan oil whenever you get those. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm really quite surprised that uh, Sichuan food in general, mapo dofu and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and Sichuan hot pot, it's not more popular here in Seoul because mm-hmm. Koreans say they're crazy about uh, spicy food, and yeah. mala food is absolutely wonderful. You know. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I mean, I think Koreans are crazy about the Korean kind of the spicy Korean, food. Yeah, gochujang, right? everything. If I take my um, coworkers and we go eat Mexican food, none of them can eat the jalapenos. Yeah. They're yeah. all handing the jalapenos over to me. Or Thai food sometimes. Uh-huh. So what, mm. you said this malatang. Describe it just a bit more for me. Uh, so they have... Uh, they have maltang is a very popular dish in this neighborhood. And if you look up our site, of course, we can give you specific names of restaurants. Okay. Um, but actually here, um, when you're served the lamb maltang, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, I guess lamb is the best way to have maltang. All right. Um, they give you this big bowl. It honestly looks a little bit greasy. Uh, it's huge. It costs somewhere from 8000 to 10000 won, yeah. depending on what size you're getting. Uh, but, you know, it comes with the, you know, peppers and it comes with bok choy and glass noodles. Literally, like, I'm, like, thinking of it now and my mouth is watering. Oh, yeah. See, I got to find this place. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you about where to go. After- <laughs> and, and there are these, like, large slices of lamb in yeah. it. It tastes so good. Uh-huh. Ooh. Yeah, I miss Sichuan food. I used to go to Sichuan food all the time in, mm-hmm. in Hong Kong, Dandanmian and all that stuff. So what else is there uh, around the neighborhood to pick at? Uh, anything by way of sweets? Uh, well, this is not exactly sweet, but I, I thought, you know, I had never had this before. So I thought it would be sweet because it looks a lot like churros. Churros? Uh, the yutao. Uh, okay, yutao. Uh-huh. Which is a Chinese crullers. Yep. Um, you know, and you see them outside a lot of vendors. And I remember actually my Chinese friends back in New York, like, kind of cutting this up into their soups. 
Oh. Um, yeah, I remember that. They mm, used to have those in Hong Kong. They would right. cut them up into your soup. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your, your, uh, quite often your rice porridge, your duke, they mm-hmm. would put those in there. Uh, there's a Chinese dumpling place I go to a lot in Busan, and they have a milky kind of soup, uh-huh. and then you put it in there with sugar. Ooh. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. It's I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of it, but it's... It's really fun to eat, and it's very popular around here. And all these things cost around, like, 1,000 won. So it's just some fried dough. I mean, you have to be aware because the minute you hold it, you have this grease falling down your hands. Oh, my goodness. Um, but it's it's not sweet. It just tastes like bread, but I think it's a really good addition to, like, sweet soups or like something like Like, it sounds like, like a Chinese beignet, kind of, like a quick fried dough kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, beignet without the powder. Without the right? powdered sugar uh-huh. and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And very, very cheap. So does that wrap up our little foray into into Chinatown? Or? Yeah, I right. mean, like now I feel like I have to eat. Fog I, absolutely, I'm gonna. I'm definitely <laughs> saving these tips and, mm. and going this weekend. What other kind of cultural enclaves do we have time to talk about today? Um, so one thing I definitely wanted to. I actually wish I had researched this more, or, or I had more time to research. Usadanro. Usadanro. Uh, you know, if um, if you're in the Itaewon area, that's where the mosque. Oh, that's is. the mosque area. Okay. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I think the mosque itself is really interesting. I used to study anthropology. And, like, if I were to be studying it again right now, I think this is one area definitely to be looked at right now. Um, Not only because of the mosque, but because there's so many young Koreans who are now interested in Islamic culture. Um, And a lot of them are making small studios in this neighborhood. There is an LGBT-friendly bookstore that opened up here a few months ago, too. Um, So you have, you know, like, you have a book selling the... You have bookstores selling the Quran. And then down the street, you have an LGBT-friendly restaurant. Yeah. I mean, um, bookstore. Uh, You have... it's just down the street from an LGBT kind of street, right? Right. I, I, I pass through that neighborhood relatively uh, frequently. There's a mm-hmm. there's an Islamic bookstore in English if you are interested in learning more. And what's interesting about that area is uh, it's a little bit like walking through sort of an agglomeration of the Middle East, you know, right. or Central Asia. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of halal meat markets and right. there's all kinds of Middle Eastern food, uh-huh. right? And Central Asian food. Yeah, definitely. And... Um, you know, they, the mosque also has service in English, Arabic, and Korean, and I didn't know that. Hmm. So, um, you know, during, like, after prayer, you'll see a lot of people come out from there. Right. And then you also see a lot of tourists go hang out in that area, too. But, of course, I think the big thing is where to eat in this neighborhood because there are so many things that look delicious. That's right. But you don't really try it out. Yeah. I think because a lot of these things, too, English speakers, they might be more foreign. Hmm. Um, I think if you're a little bit curious, uh, Korean halal is really big on the street nowadays. Yeah. So you can have Korean food made in a halal way, which is the um, Muslim blessed way, right? It's kind of like... It's a loosely analogous to kosher. You know, right, right. Yeah, that's, prepared in a certain way, mm-hmm. obviously no pork whatsoever, uh, and certain rules like that. And right. not mixing dairy and uh, meat, that kind of thing. Um, what I really liked was when I went to a Korean-style halal restaurant there, actually the chef was a Christian man, mm. and he explained to us, like, he really liked working in this area, he really liked getting to know about more cultures, and I think that is real, like, multiculturalism happening in the works, yeah. you know, and... Um, Halal food in the past year in Korea has gotten really big. There was an, even an expo a few months ago. Yeah, and the government's mm. doing more in terms of certifying halal food right, providers right. and just making Korea kind of a Muslim-friendly place to visit because that's a 
big, big uh, tourism market right. that they're and very eager to attract. When I was researching this on the web, it's very hard for, uh, you know, people, our friends from Southeast Asia who are coming here that might not be eating, that might be eating halal-style food, for them to find Korean food that's yes. also made in this way. Yeah. So I'm really glad that these kind of things are happening. Yeah, that's um, why you always see these tour groups of Indonesians. You, you right. can tell they've got the covered uh, mm. uh, Muslim women uh, kerchiefs, things like that. There's a ton of uh, not just Korean halal food, but Persian food or kebabs, things like that. Uh, Northern Indian food is yes. apparently very big here. And, you know, I have Indian restaurants that are sort of my go-to restaurants. Uh-huh. So I'm like a little bit snobby when going to new Indian restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I went to a few in this neighborhood and they were very good. Um, and I was like, wow, these are like hidden treasures really of food in this neighborhood. And of course, one thing I really love is baklava. Baklava, it's, mm. yeah, you got to be careful with baklava because it's a bit addictive. It's very wonderful, uh-huh. but it's got a half of a truckload of sugar per <laughs> bite. Uh, basically, it's it's like this very light puff pastry, right? With um, would, I, would I call it light? I, well, I mean, I would call it kind of small because they're in small squares normally. Okay. Well, heavy um, because it, th- there's so many thin layers yeah, stacked yeah. up that, yeah. I'm not sure whether it technically qualifies as puff pastry or not, but it seemed like it was that. But unbelievable amounts of honey and... and yeah, it's very sweet. Uh, I b- remember buying it for my coworkers and they were like, wow, this is so sweet. But, you know, I had always thought that it was exclusively a Greek thing because they sold it at all the Greek restaurants yeah. where I grew up. Um, but it's actually a Turkish dessert. Yeah, I was about um, to say, uh, the Turkish and the Greeks would probably fight each other over <laughs> who uh, has baklava, right, bragging rights about baklava. Right. Um, and actually, one thing I had there, which is kind of a new menu that's appearing in these kind of dessert places, is the Warbot Lots. What is that? Oh, uh, which is kind of like baklava, except without the sweetness, ah. like the syrupiness. And they have more like nuts inside. And the honey is more inside rather than coated on the outside. Oh, wow. Uh, it was very good. Um, I really like the crunchiness of it. Yeah. Uh, it was actually cheaper than the baklava too because I think it's sort of a new menu item right now. Wow. Uh, it's made with this unleaved dough. Oh, sometimes I wish Sonia were here too because I feel yeah. like she could explain the foods to us. Um, but it, it's um, very like nutty. I think if you're if baklava is too sweet for you, it's something really to try. What'd you say it was? War bought. War bought lots. Okay, mm-hmm. that's worth trying. Um, uh, and the one thing I had was I had never had like authentic Lebanese food before. Okay. And so I had zitar. Have you ever had it? I think so. It's oh, very, really? I, I think so. Um, it's like a dough with, it's kind of bready, right? With a lot of herbs on it. Yes. Yes. So I can't, um, I, I looked it up and it's spelled Zitar and it's called Zatar. Yeah, Zatar I think is how they okay. pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but actually the restaurant that I went to actually spelled it with an I. Uh-huh. So I didn't want to correct them when I didn't know for sure. Yeah. Um, so it was very funny uh, because he was like, don't get it. Koreans don't like this. Huh. And then I was like, no, I'm going to try it and I'm going to like it. <laughs> did you like it? Uh, I did, but my coworker hated it. Because um, she said it was way too strong and, like, too different for her. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, we got it with half cheese, half zatar. And, um, you know, I, I really think it pretty much tastes like a very 
spiced up pizza. Exactly. It's almost like a pizza crust sort of carpeted uh-huh. in spices and, right. and parsley and all of those different things. It's, uh, you know, completely green as if you just spread the spice to cover the entire surface. Right. And, you know, um, these days you can go to one of these restaurants and then you can go to a great cafe in this neighborhood since there are so many, uh, like, coffee roasteries opening up on this street as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Time's slowly catching up with us here. Uh, let's just go through one more neighborhood before we get out of here. Right. Um, so I think... The one that people also know about a lot is Ichondong, okay. right? Which is where the, sometimes they call it the little Tokyo, right? Ooh. And there's a heavy Japanese population in this uh, neighborhood. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I found out because one time I got lost in the neighborhood and then I realized there were a lot of Japanese neighborhoods and restaurants here. Um, there's about 1,000, there are about 1,000 Japanese people living here. Um, and it's, it has a pretty old history going back to 1965. So it's really interesting to go there. As well. All right, and you can find all the all the different ramyeon and takoyaki and all that stuff. I presume sushi, all the Japanese food you like. We're out of time, Hana. It's been really fun talking about all these different neighborhoods and their foods. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And that will bring today's edition of Koreascape to a close. We are produced by Christina So with associate production by Jamie Lee. GP1 is our writer. I'm Kurt Asian. Tune in tomorrow at 9 a.m. We're talking to the French cast of the touring musical Mozart the Rock Opera. See you then.